Hi everyone, I'm Annika and this is the Tried and Truth Podcast. Welcome back to another episode. Today we get to sit down with a parent empowerment coach. Now, I know so many of you all have heard of life coaches and business coaches, but what about a parent empowerment coach that really works to meet parents where they're at, to step into where they want to go in their parenting journey and with their children. And I know that parenting is a very hard job for me personally, so I am so excited to share today's episode with you. There are so many amazing nuggets in this episode. Teresa has spent the last 17 plus years working with students, fifth and sixth graders at that. So lots of wisdom to share that she has pulled from the classroom to the business world, now to your living room. So take a listen to today's episode. Plenty of nuggets for you to pull out and reset and reconnect to your parenting journey. So without further ado, here is the interview with Teresa Williams. Okay, Teresa, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to sit down in this conversation with you. Tell us about you and your journey to where you are today so all of us can get a little preview of what's ahead in this conversation. Thank you for having me, Annika. I am so excited to sit down with you and talk about a subject that is so important to me. And really, it's my passion. It is my gift. It is what was put into me. So... I am Teresa. I am a parent empowerment coach. And even before I get into talking about what that is, I want to, like you said, talk about my journey. So I was an educator for 17 years. And in the journey of education and having parent conferences, what I realized is that parents needed support. So although initially we were sitting down talking about possible interventions about their child and in the school, in the classroom, academically, parents begin to reach out of support they needed in the home. Like, how can I get them to do this? Or do you see these behaviors in the classroom? And I'm like, well, no, I don't experience that at all. And so they were like, well, how do you not experience this? And so through that, I just began to ask questions. And through questioning is when I realized the help that they needed. And that's kind of where it started. And I just offered parent support with help, with kind of like parent homework. Yes. Create these structures, create these routines. Then I follow up. How did that work? And so just through that process, I created my, my foundation, like worksheet homework for the parent always started with structure and routines. And so that um, just going through that process and then adding on as things came up through questions, my child is uh, talking back a lot, but they're getting an E in conduct on the report card. That's not matching. I'm like, well, they don't talk back to me. (laughs) That's not allowed. And so then we begin to talk about communication and how you build that connection. And what I realized is that I allow children the permission to speak. I gave them permission. If you don't agree with this, tell me why. Or if kids were in conflict with each other, 
I never sent children out of my classroom. You don't get sent to the principal. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk about this. So that's, you know, teaching conflict resolution without realizing it and how to regulate their emotions to have those conversations. You know, you get two 11-year-olds. And by the way, I was a fifth and sixth grade teacher, but sixth grade was my jam. So my last 10 years was sixth grade. I love that age. I shall pause for a second and say like fifth and sixth grade were not my jam. So the fact that you spent so many years in fifth and sixth grade and with that really formative time, I know a lot of friends of mine who are parents are going through that stage right now. And that is a hard season. So I just feel like you have a magical gift to work with that age And I just, I don't know. I I love the title of of what you do. I think so many people have heard of like business coach and and life coach or Mm -hmm. like a coach at the gym, like a trainer, but to really have an apparent empowerment coach and to take all these lessons from the classroom and saying it starts at home. It's like from classroom to living room, like, here we go. I, I love that. I, I think it's, it's awesome. I, I don't think I've shared this with you, but when I was pregnant with our first son, I remember it was about a week before we delivered and I called my mom on the phone. We were talking about something. And I said, mom, I'm so bored. Like, I just, it's just boring. Like there's nothing to do. And like this new stage of life. And she said, oh honey, you're never going to be bored again. And let me just tell you now, (laughs) parenting is the hardest job you will ever have. And I just kind of laughed it off. And now my husband and I joke about that. We say that all the time, like, oh my gosh, this is the hardest job I've ever had. Yeah, it is a it, hard it job. Is. <laughs> and that's how I evolved into parent coaching. I didn't know what I was doing was parent coaching until I ran into a news article and it was talking about parent coaches. And talking about this, I was intrigued, like, what is this? And as I'm reading through, I'm like, hey, this is what I, I do that. I do that. I do that. I do that. So I kind of transitioned into now I started charging at first. I mean, I didn't for almost five, six years. And parents would always say, you know, I need to pay you for this. I need to give you this. And I'm like, no, you know, for me, that's why I said it's an innate gift. It's a part of my purpose. What I was doing was coming naturally. This is what you do. So I'm also a lifelong learner. So I'm always reading informational, inspirational. And I always love to read about like behaviors. And so when I thought about becoming a parent, I started reading parenting books, magazines. I was just intrigued by it, not knowing it was a part of my journey my mission, my ministry of what I'm here to give the world. And so I kind of evolved into parent coaching. So let me tell you what that is, uh, because I know many people haven't heard of it and they're kind of curious about it. Basically, parent coaching is a support that's focused on current challenges in the future. So if you're having parenting challenges, whatever that is, it could be with like structure routine and many times parents don't realize the root of some of their issues is that there isn't um, routine or structure in the day because that causes a lot of uncertainty in children because basically kids strive on routine we do as adults if you think about it you may have your morning routine your evening routine and you may even routinely do things throughout the day 
that you haven't even realized that you work on a structured day as well. And when something is off, you get off as an adult. So children, they work the same way. It's just that they are unable to articulate their feelings and their it comes out in a behavior. And if you're not aware of that, you label bad children. Like, I don't believe in bad kids. I don't use that term. It's what's the behavior? Like, what, what are you telling me? What are you trying to talk to me about? So that's kind of what parent coaching is. Just that support for current challenge and how you can move to the future. What it's not is counseling. Because counseling is when you are focused on past, past hurts, something that needs to be resolved from the past. So with coaching, I use empowerment coaching because I work with more than just your parent challenge. So yeah, it's all about what's going on with the child, but also it's about what's going on with the parent as well. And that's what I realized going back to the classroom. When I started working with parents and what they could do with their children, I then realized there were things within them that they hadn't um, become aware of. They weren't conscious of. So like communication, instead of talking at your child, how about you have a dialogue where it's two-way? And unfortunately, many of us grew up in homes where, you know, we just weren't permitted or invited to have a dialogue. You know, we were just told what to do, just do this. And that's how we parent. And when we don't take that time as parents to go through self-reflection, to think about our influences and just to consider how do we want to parent? You know, we don't think about that. So sometimes uh, one of the first questions I ask with parents is what is your parenting goal? And that's it's like, of question. course, I want my child to be happy. You know, I want them to be successful. I want them to be respectful. I'm like, but well, what's the goal? How are you going to get there? And as parents, we don't think about that. You don't think about that. And it's not I want a, them to be happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not a good or a bad thing. It's just, you know, we want, a, we want a family. We want children. And you just go from there kind of like willy-nilly, really. You don't think about the plan or what areas of life do I need to make changes because it changes with age. As our children grow, that parenting goal shifts. But when you don't have that, it's not a good or bad. Like I said, it's just something you didn't think about. And so with parent empowerment coaching, my thing is I am a lifelong learner. And through that journey, I found that sometimes with parents, when we became a parent, we stopped growing. We stopped with our That's own good. personal development. But personal development, it, it's just a lifelong pro process. And what it does it benefits your parenting when you grow personally. So in addition to supporting parents with their current challenges, I also empower parents in becoming the best version of themselves. And I like to say becoming because it's a journey. A you journey. don't become, <laughs> it doesn't stop. It's like for the so rest true. of your life, it's a journey. So you're always becoming the best version of yourselves. And so that's why I am more than a parent coach. I am a parent empowerment coach because I focus also on what I call the personal development of parenting. I think it's something so many people so, don't think about. And I, 
I heard a quote once that said, you know, we so often like wait for, to get our kids right so we can get ourselves right. And it sounds like what you're saying is as a parenting coach, you really come alongside and say, let's not start there. Let's, let's start with you. And, you know, these Hi. deep underlying formative things that we've got in our own minds, meet you where you're at so that you can get yourself right, be the best version of you. Because it is incredible what that energy feeds off to your kids and how they pick up on that energy. So yeah, I, I feel like so often it's like fix the kid. It's like, no, we actually right. need to like work on ourselves <laughs> before we start working on on anyone else. Um, so you talked a little bit about kind of the top things that people come to you for. So you mentioned structure and routine or lack thereof as well as communication, mm -hmm. any others or mm -hmm. any of those you want to elaborate a little bit on to just help us get a good handle on what are, I guess, to not feel alone. I think so many people feel like, am I the only one struggling with this? So, I mean, any of those that are just big, huge asterisk, everybody comes to me with this one and, and tips you can share on that topic. Sure. And I will tell you one major topic and it's very broad, but it's general. And that's kind of just how you think as a parent, when you need support, the number one thing that people come to me and say is, I just want to be a better parent. And it's like, oh, okay, so let's <laughs> talk about that. So it's very customizable between, depending on the parent. My philosophy is that, so when I left the classroom, I've also been in the business world. So my philosophy is that parenting is a profession. So I, I start with, just think about it. In the corporate world, in our business world, you have these opportunities for personal and professional development. You get to go to workshops or courses and to help you develop those interpersonal skills. So like communication, emotional intelligence, time management, conflict resolution, you know, all of those skills in the business world. That's the skill set of a parent. When you are managing your home and managing your family, it requires this very same skill set. So I'll, I always say parenting is a profession. You are a parenting CEO. So let's just get down to it. So I start with structure and routine. That's the foundation of all of it. Within that structure and routine, we then go into talking about, like I said, communication. That is key, communication. What I find is that many times as parents, we want to be our children's friend because we go back to think of how I, how I was treated or what it was like when I was growing up because there are generational things we have to consider as well when we're parenting. That's why I always say we have to reflect and look at our influences and not put them in these buckets of good or bad, but just that's what it was. This is how I choose to parent. And that's a process. That is a process to go through. And it can be very emotional as well, going through this process of what was and what I don't want. Because then you feel bad about blame to your parents. But it's not a blame. It's just a growth. It, there's nothing good. or It's not good or bad. And that's hard. Right there, I could stop right there with, for days of coaching and get parents to realize it's not good or bad. It's just... Yeah what it was. Now, what direction do you want to go? And many times I have to go through a session of forgiveness because as parents, we blame ourselves for many things. And when you start to grow, if you're not conscious that this is growth, 
you then start blaming yourselves. And so we have to forgive ourselves for what we did when we didn't know. When you know better, you do better. So you move on and you grow and you develop. And so after we get into communication, which again, it, it's crucial, it is critical because what this is gonna take the conversation somewhere else. And let's I, do it. Because we have to let's understand so many things. So let's talk about, and this is real brief. We have three brains. I know when we speak of brain, we think of that one big brain, but there are three brains. So you may have heard of the uh, scientific terms, but we have our thinking brain, our emotional brain, and our instinctual brain. So our thinking brain, you know, it's rational. It's where you learn, think. But that emotional brain, it is powerful. It stores all of our memories. Every single memory, it is stored. So... Um, you're bitten by a dog when you're five years old, and now as a whole grown adult, you're walking through your neighborhood, you hear that dog barking in the window in a, in a home, you get this feeling like, ooh, you may walk faster, you may cross the street. That feeling is that emotion that you experience when you're a kid. You went there for a second. So we have to think of that emotional brain when we're creating memories with our children. And we do that through communication, through the words that we say, um, how our body language, just all of it. And when we don't allow our children the opportunity or you know, teach them to communicate when it's not encouraged, we're going to that emotional brain. So that emotional brain is saying, okay, now I'm gonna be fearful when I hear these words or that body language that you exhibited when you were sharing in that. And I don't even want to call it communication because communication is really dialogue. Truly it's two way. So when you were talking at in that tone, you created a memory in the emotional brain, which then is fear. Sometimes that fear then can lead to that instinctual brain to kick in, which is what I experienced in the classroom. So two children, someone raises their voice or they do something, that memory, because it's just a memory, kicks in, that instinctual brain, I have to protect myself, and fights happen. It all started at home without that connection of how we communicate or don't allow our children to communicate with us. So I like to spend a lot of time talking about communication. And again, it's growth. It's not a time to blame yourself as a parent. It's simply growth. How do I communicate? Do I allow my child to respond? That's healthy dialogue, healthy communication. And sometimes I find that parents fear that because it's like, they're going to be talking back. Because, you know, we've heard as a child, you don't talk back to your parent. And it is not a form of disrespect. You can teach respectful communication. That's how our children learn. They are learning from us every single day. When you think they aren't listening, they are. When you think they aren't watching, they are. They're sponges. That's what we're here for. That's why we can't be their friend. We can't be their friends because friends are equal peers. 
as a parent, you're, you're not a friend, you're a parent. You're there to provide the guidance, to provide the direction, to provide the support and the boundaries that they need. But of course, children don't know they need this. But as a parent, when you realize that, you have to think differently. So just think about all that I've said before, and you don't develop yourself personally. That's where you can get a lot of imbalance in the home. So it's not just our children, it's parents as well. So that's where the empowerment of becoming the best version of you comes into play. And in every piece of it, we have to talk about self-care because as parents, <clears throat> we wear many hats, many. And if we are not pouring back into ourselves, doing things that fill our cup up, how can we fill the cup of our children? I love the message from flight attendants. You know, you're about to take off. If there's any turbulence or drop of pressure in the cabin, when that mask comes down, put it on you first before you help your seatmate, your child, whomever, put yours on first. And I just think that is an analogy for a life. When you really think about that, many times if you get upset or you're screaming at anybody, but we're focusing on children, there's a root to that. And a lot of that is we just have that pent up stress of the world, especially now that we're not releasing. We release by refueling us. And self-care looks different for everybody. It's not, you know, the massages. No, I was going to say it, right? Like some parents are like, I don't have the money to go yeah. get a massage or I don't have the time to go work out. So how do you, how do you coach them to creating these small little micro self-care routines? Like how do you direct them down setting those right. goals? The first thing is I go back to influences. We have to get to the root. Why don't you take care of yourself? Like, why do you not think that's important? And the bottom line is as children, what are we taught? Be nice, be kind, do things for others. We're not taught to put ourselves first. That's selfish, right? So once we get to that root, then I move to what do you like to do? What works for you? And many times as parents, we have just took off in taking care of others and doing things for others. We've lost what we like. We don't even know. <laughs> and so then we move into just daily. If your children were gone away for the entire weekend, you cannot clean the house. You cannot do anything for anyone else. What would you do for yourself? And little things come up. <sighs> Sit on the couch, kick my feet up and have a cup of tea. That's self-care for you. You can incorporate that into your day. So now let's look at that day that we've now structured. When are you going to get that tea? Why don't you have two or three cups a day? Um, if your children, um, you have to get them ready for school, you have to get to work. So depending on what your day looks like, your day may have to start earlier, 30 minutes so you can enjoy that cup of tea because that's refueling you. Or some people enjoy working out. I'm not one of those. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not self-care for me. So my self-care is not going to be another day at the gym. But if that is you and you haven't put made that a part a priority for you, you need that. That's self-care for you. What does that look like? That can look like, I don't know if you're going to the gym now, go to the gym. 
If it means you have weights or whatever it is, you turn on YouTube University with someone working out, put that in your day, whatever it looks like. And self-care even goes as far as, like for me, budgeting. I need a budget. That's self-care. When I'm not taking care of my line items, it's like I'm thrown off. So that's self-care for me. I have my budget that I work with. So it will, it will really depend on others. For me, I lifelong learner, and I also believe in developing my spiritual self. So each day I have to have my devotional time. And those days when I don't, I feel it. I react rather than respond to situations, to my child doing something that a kid will do sets me off in a different way when I haven't had my devotional because that's my self-care. So it's going to look different for every parent. And it's okay of what it is. It doesn't matter. It's what you need. No one has to validate it. No one has to let you know it's okay. I'm giving you permission now. It's okay, whatever you need. And there should be bits of self-care every day. I know we have self-care Saturday, self-care Sunday, like I might extend my self-care, but there should be bits daily of self-care that you're pouring into yourself because you're pouring out every day. So you need to be refilling every day. And I love that you touch on the financial side of it, as well as the spiritual side, because I think we forget about those things, but money is such a stress stressor in people's lives. So when the financial situation is not in order, you said you like feel a little bit off kilter, like that actually Mm -hmm. flows out into what you put onto your children, as well as that spiritual side. Like how do you get all of these other pieces in order? And it might not sound like this big massage, but those are things to get your emotional health and your caring for yourself and for your household. And I think, you know, being from Texas, there's so many times where I just hear it's like, well, self-care for me looks like working out every single day for an hour a day. And it's this really like go big, go home mentality. And I think that people get so caught up in that. Like if I can't do it exactly the way that I envision, I'm just not going to do it at all. And I think that is like such a mistake. And what I'm hearing from you is, yeah, no, if it's something small you can do, if it's one extra cup of tea or five minutes of a walk or just, you know, doing the budget or checking in on it or, you know, phoning a friend or whatever that might look like. It's, it doesn't have to be these huge, huge items in, in our lives. Exactly. When I work with parents, we do a journal. I have them um, journal because many times you don't realize your growth. You don't realize the emotional impact every day has on you. So just basic journal. How did I feel today? What caused that feeling? What changed that feeling? How did I become a part of that change? What did I do? What did I think? Or what did I, what action changed that? And when they go back and they look over those days, they will see the incorporation of self-care throughout the days and the days that they didn't. And there is a direct relation between just your, your every action of the day. It Self-care impacts your, you um, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all of it. And so when I'm talking to parents about parent challenges and we're talking about, you know, whatever the behavior is they're experiencing and, and, you know, what their child is 
doing or saying. And then we'll go back to, because in the beginning, we I start with parents. What is your uh, core values in each of these areas? So emotional, physical, spiritual, we go through all of that. That's our roadmap. That's your core value. That That's the foundation to what you wanted, that happiness for your child, you know, that self-respect for your child. So when I look at these behaviors, then I go back and I tie it. So that core value of spirituality, where is that in your parenting? What does that look like? Many times it's missing. It's we go to church, uh, we worship on Sunday or Saturday or whatever your day is, but it's not interwoven throughout the day, but it's your core value. So this is a part of the parent empowerment part that you just don't think about consciously. And in our sessions and just going through this, there is no judgment. It's not about judgment. It's not about good or bad. It's growth. And that's the whole part of becoming the best version of you for your children. And many times, like I said, you just subconsciously begin to exist in your parenting. Parenting is a verb. So you're always doing something. You just want to be conscious about how you do it and what you're doing. And that's what the parent empowerment coaching relationship is all about. It's that guidance. It's like bringing you back to a consciousness. And in that, there's transformation. That's so good. Like don't, you know, don't just go through the motions and exist in parenting. (laughs) Intentionally parent. Gosh, that's, that's so, so good. So I've got kind of a, maybe this is a selfish question for me, but I'm sure there's others who can benefit from this question too. But as a, a boy mom, you touched on respect a lot and, you know, not necessarily wanting to <laughs> be their friends. And also, you know, you, you play the role as, as a parent. And so I want to be very, very intentional about not just raising boys, and getting them through this stage, because I feel like every day it's like, just get it through this stage. But I want to raise them into great men and fathers and husbands and, and you know, brothers and employees and, and all of that good stuff. And so how, how do you help parents or like, what's, what are some practical things to just develop this healthy level of, of respect in the home early on so that they do respond in, in that way. But like I said, just this mutual respect in the home, but also at the same time, like drawing the line, cause they've got some strong personalities and I'm sure seeing fifth and sixth grade, right. you probably experienced a lot of the same. Well, yes, definitely. Like I said, I have a boy, so I understand boy energy, but one thing that I will say, it comes down to having clear expectations. And it is so easy not to, because I'll tell you, as a parent, when we have clear expectations for our children, it impacts us as well. Because I remember when my son was younger and I'd have these uh, expectations and his behavior, I would say things like no television. He didn't watch a lot at all, but the limited, we only had one television in our home. So if I told him no television, I couldn't watch it either because he'd be there. And I start thinking, oh my gosh, I'm giving you these behaviors and it's, uh, you know, impacting me as well, but having clear expectations. And another thing, um, and I, like you said, you have a boy, but I also want to just think about it initially as children is to know their love language. 
I am a firm believer in those five love languages of children. You know, your child likes um, hugs and kisses, physical touch. We have to speak their language and give it to them. Your child enjoys surprise treats. They like gifts. You have to consider that. Doesn't mean you always have to buy them things, but what is a gift for them? A gift could be going for a walk. It depends on what they like. You never know. You have to pay attention, be intentional. Words of affirmation. If your child lights up every time you say like, hey, buddy, you're wonderful, or whatever that is, speak in their language. When your child likes to do things with you or they want you to do things for them, things that you know they can do, that's acts of service. So you got to speak their language. They like to be around you all the time, like sitting down and they're crawling around you. You're at your desk working. If you're working virtually from home or you're just doing something, they're just there in your space. Quality time. You, you have to speak their language and spend that time with them. But with the energy, a lot of that is to look at the root. Where is it coming from? And many times that's that strategic piece that as parents, we fall back into what we know. That's that influence when we haven't consciously thought about it. Communication. So when they're having these strong opinions and they want to talk back, you teach them and you use the language with them. This is inappropriate. And then we have to even get, break it down more. I was a language arts teacher. So I did a lot of in my communication with my students and teaching them, what does that mean to you? Because we can say to our child, that's inappropriate but they may not developmentally truly understand what that means. So we speak in their language. We ask questions. Why did you just do that? Like, why did you hit your brother? What's the root of that? Sometimes children's behaviors or actually 99.9% .9 of the time, their behavior is that smoke detector for us that there's something else. And if we're not conscious, we just think they're fighting all the time or they don't get along, but there's a reason for it. And if their need is not being met, whatever that need is for them, it's going to come out in a behavior. That behavior can be in communication, how they say things. It could be in how they behave, their actions, are they kicking or hitting or fighting? But there's a root to the behavior. Many times as parents, if we have more than one child, we treat them the same. I was about to say, I feel like you said we kind of go back to what we know. It's like <laughs> you know, blanket parenting. It's like, okay, I know when this happens, I'm going to respond this way. And it was just a, a big conviction for me when you were talking about that. Like we go back to what we know rather than what you're saying about like each child is different. And to remember that with intentional parenting each child is different and what works for one doesn't work for the other. But I think we're all about efficiency or maybe that's just me, right. but as these efficient, you know, moms, we try to be so, how do I get the most done with the least amount of time and the least amount of effort, yes. just do it all the same way. And then, like you said, we, we react rather than respond. And we think that they're, a, you know, quote unquote, they're being bad, <laughs> they're a bad kid, right. but it, it's really coming back to us and how, we are building that relationship with them. So good. Now, remember you said parenting is the hardest job on this world. That's why I say parenting is a profession. It is hard. Parents come out as PhDs. We just don't know it yet. 
we at the beginning, like there's so much and it's just overlooked, um, but it's work. But when you think of the outcome, go back to what did you want from your child? What's that goal? Happiness, self-respect, respecting others, um, being contributors to the world in a good way. That takes work and it's hard, but as parents, I know in my soul that we are equipped to do it. And does it take time? Yes. Is it easy? No. So don't have that expectation. And I think as parents, many times, see, I always go back to influence. There's this thing about perfection. You're growing as a parent, so you're going to make mistakes. It's growth. And we have to have that mindset with our children and not expect perfection from them. They have to make mistakes. If you have little robots in your home, I'm here to tell you, there's no growth in them. They're just following your direction. But where's the growth, even with our children? In the classroom, going back to my foundation, I would sit down with parents who are having a problem with their children, making an 88 on a language arts assignment. And I'm like, this, this is new content. That 88 is excellent. They don't know this. They're learning. That's that perfection that we're putting into our children. So fifth grade was the grade that parents or, or that my students went to the counselor most often because mm -hmm. of the stress. Where did it start? At home of unrealistic expectations that then carry over into the classroom. So, gosh, that's so good. Well, this conversation has been incredibly enlightening for me. I feel like I've got a list of ways to recommit to my intentional parenting. And I am just so grateful for this, this time. And also just for the work that you're doing. I think we as parents feel like we have to do it alone. And it's just so comforting to know that you can reach out and ask for help. And that is okay. And that we've got to extend just grace on ourselves and yes. on our kids. And it's good to have all of these things in line or in order, but also make sure that we have values interwoven into them and have grace when things don't go perfectly because perfect is unrealistic. So thank you so much for all of this juiciness. Any last minute tips or bits of wisdom that you want to share or just moment of encouragement for, for other parents out there? Well, I would like to share, and you just mentioned it, uh, that parenting is a journey. And we have new mercies and new grace every day. Accept it. Receive the new grace and new mercies for yourself and for your children. They get new mercies and new grace every day. It is a growth process. It is a journey. And becoming the best version of you is the best gift you can give your children. I just got goosebumps on that one because it's That's like, right. receive it. We say it, but receive it receive it. Yes. So how can people find you? Tell us how people can find you, get a hold of you and keep up with all the amazing work you're doing. Okay. You can find me at my website, which is parentonpurposecoach.com. And you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at theparentonpurposecoach.com. And Annika, I would like to share that I think kicking off in April, uh, you mentioned community and support. What I have found 
during my one-on-one coaching, which I'm moving away from, is parents need community. They need the support and to realize it's not just you and that really what you're experiencing is parenting. It's not something good or bad. It's what you're going to going through. It That's what parenting is. And so I'm kicking off my Parent CEO Academy. Oh, how so remember I said it's a skill set. It's about um, the skills you know, that personal development. And it's six-week course. And we'll go over like the foundation, self-reflection, core values, emotional intelligence, those communication skills, time management. So remember I mentioned all those courses that you get in the business world that are really the skill set of parenting as well. So it's going to be that and intertwining it with parenting. Okay, everyone. Well, you guys need to go check out what Teresa is doing and where else can you find a parenting professional personal development course? (laughs) That is amazing. So thank you for putting that out in the world. I can't wait to see and hear more about it. Thank you for being here for all that you're doing and for doing awesome things for everybody, everybody. All right, Teresa, take care. We'll talk soon. So much good stuff in today's episode. So here are today's truths and takeaways. Number one, what you are experiencing is called parenting. We are all on a parenting journey together. Number two, every child is different. Don't forget that. We can't blanket parent and we have to remember that every child is different and speak to each one of them in their love language as we build those relationships with them. Number three, create healthy, open, respectful, two-way conversations with your kid. Don't let it always stop and start with you. Number four, we receive new mercies each morning. Accept them, welcome them, embrace them. Number five, take moments to fill yourself up because you are pouring out every day into your jobs. If you have a day job and parenting is in fact a job, so take moments to fill yourself up, not just on self-care Sunday, but small micro moments throughout the day, throughout the week. Number six, don't label your children as bad children. They are not bad children. Find the root. And lastly, as I often say on the podcast, it all starts with you. So I hope today's episode has been helpful for you. If you haven't already, please share this episode with a friend, subscribe to the podcast. So many more exciting things to come and leave me your feedback. Let me know what you think, what topics you'd like to hear more about. So thanks again for tuning in and until next time.